everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Today, we're building off our last topic in this series, but this time diving into the different intimate thoughts and feelings of men and women, specifically within a marriage. Joining us are the parents of one of Virginia's clients, Dr. Robert and Ellen Hempton. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Happy to see you too, Virginia. (laughs) I am exceptionally thankful that you two agreed to join me today. Because last segment, the last two segments, I think, right, Natalie? Yes. You did with Gregory. And we talked about the government of the home, the environment in the home. And he articulated so clearly, first of all, his love and admiration and respect for his family. But he went on to say the fruit that some of the dynamics between the mom and the father had on him. And it's not unlike things I hear consistently. And he basically took the test and went through a number of different diagnostic things. But he immediately identified, as did I the first time we met, that he would define and explain his home as a chaotic home, causing him to operate as a controller. And when he's not in this hyper-controlling mode, he consents to things that he would rather not have consented to after thinking about them more closely. I have such deep respect and sensitivity for a 27, 28-year-old that can show up and put all the chips on the table with a desire to say, hey, first of all, I love my family, but how can I leverage all this to make something great out of it? How can I leverage all the pain for purpose? in my life, because I was derailed for so many years. And Robert, I know you're a physician, you're a surgeon, and I know what your life was like and required of you. And Ellen, you too, you've been so transparent and honest, both of you. It's your honesty that's been so compelling to me. And I was just so impressed with Robert and with you, because it's terrifying to come see me at the clinic with your 22-year-old daughter. And You know, I roll up my sleeves and, okay, we don't have time to waste. We need to get to this. And I will never, ever forget, what do we do? How do we do it? And when do we do it? And that was it. And you guys just did it. I always say that central to being able to step into a place of rest and healing is our capacity to be honest with ourselves about ourselves regardless of the situation that we need to face. So Robert, I'd like you to start us off and tell me a little bit about yourself. How did we meet? We met at a cancer center. Our daughter Emily was diagnosed with a very life-threatening osteogenic sarcoma or osteosarcoma, and she was angry. And the people in the, in the cancer clinic pulled us aside and said, she's not going to make it. She's so angry. She's not going to be able to heal. They said, you need to see Virginia. They gave us a contact. We made an appointment, and you saw us there at the, the cancer center one time, and that was the beginning of something really good. Ellen, what was that first meeting like for you? It was a scary time because we were in a crisis mode, and I just remember thinking, you know, we're desperate, and we 
all want to be on board for Emily's sake, and we'll do anything. And whatever we can contribute or whatever we can learn, however we can help in the home, we have to be open and we have to be vulnerable and be willing to share. And I'll tell you anything you want to know if we've contributed to this, because I know cancer is very complicated and it's not just a physical problem. Um, it's an emotional, it's a mental, it's a spiritual, it's, and you have to address all of them Mm -hmm. in order to be successful. So we came with our dirty laundry, I guess. You came with your open hearts. Yes. You are among the most remarkable couple I've ever worked with because both of you were so vulnerable and so open and so humble and so kind to me. And I'm looking at this beautiful girl, your daughter, by the way, Emily is a beautiful girl, but I'm looking at her and I'm looking at Robert and I'm looking at you and I immediately said, confusion, chaos, and dis-ease at home, unlawful authority, something's flipped. We have to turn it around quickly. And I remember Robert, you were just so sweet and tender and I could just feel your love And I could feel Ellen's love, too, and her substance, right? And what we wouldn't do for our kids. But you didn't say one word in almost an hour and a half. And Ellen gave me a dissertation. And Emily's anger and frustration kept mounting and growing because dad was not speaking and mom was speaking too much. So I immediately understood some family dynamics because when we face this kind of situation, everybody's scared. Everyone is almost frozen in space. We don't know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. We're willing to do anything, but don't know exactly what to do. I have to start with what's happening at home. And I love what you just said, Ellen. Cancer does have a big story. Cancer always has a big story. And if it's not in the immediate home, it's in the home of the home of the parents, parents, parents. And I got to find that story because we see miracles. So Robert, why don't you tell me a little bit about your career, your life, your marriage, what it was like to be a man in your home? And then Ellen will talk about what it's like to be a mom in that home. Well, I was very happy with my work. And as I look back, I say I'm very happy. I'm no longer working. and just stopped uh, this year. But I was blessed to be able to help people. And it was very satisfying. So I enjoyed my work. I fell in love with Ellen. And uh, we got married, and we were doing just great. Tell everyone what you did for work, because it's relevant. Orthopedic surgeon. You were an orthopedic surgeon. Hand surgeon. We were doing very well together before children, and even with children. Mm-hmm. When we had one, two, three, four together in fairly short order. And uh, life was wonderful and beautiful. We had a lot of good times together. It was a lot of fun. Ellen was working initially until we had our fourth, fourth, and then she got into homeschooling. So she was very busy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was busy with work, but when we were all together, we had good times. And that was good, very good, until our children reached teenage years. Yeah, it's good until it isn't. Right, until the cracks start to show. (laughs) Yeah. The cracks start. That's true. It's very well put. Robert talks about just loving his work, and I can see that he did it with excellence and sensitivity and the best. Very compassionate. Compassionate. You come home, there's not a lot left for home when we do our work with excellence, right? And what was it like for you? It was tiring. I, of course, we had four daughters, and I was trying to work part-time, and then when I decided to homeschool, I gave up my job. I loved it, um, but... 
I also respected his profession, and I knew that he was tired, so I was trying to be extremely competent, and I've been raised to be very competent. Thinking back, I think I took on a lot. I took on the role of the mom. I tried to really be the dad in a way because he wasn't around. I was the disciplinarian. I was the teacher. And it just creates fatigue year after year after year of doing this. And it's my fault, I guess. I didn't want him to have to come home and discipline the kids after he's been gone and he's tired and he wants to enjoy the kids and who wants to come home and you did this and you did this and, and yeah it's it's not fun so well and he's exhausted and you're exhausted he's exhausted so. and also when things happen I didn't want to be and I know his family was different but I didn't want to be the parent was like wait till your father gets home in eight hours and he's gonna have a talk with you I thought I should just handle it right there and just kind of do it all. And I was just replicating what I saw in my own home growing up because my mother did the same thing. My mother wore the pants. My father was the provider. My mom was the disciplinarian, helped us with our homework, kind of did it all. And I just didn't even think about it. I just went right along and did the same thing my mother did. But it is exhausting. I mean, we did well until our children started having problems. Well, we talked last week, and I think Gregory did an amazing job talking about the impact that that role confusion had on him. Mm-hmm. And he observed the sensitivity of his father and the emotionality of his mom. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit in this segment because men are sensitive. I've observed that in counseling. I don't know how much is written about that, but this has been 100% my observation that men are sensitive and women are emotional. A woman has the capacity to really deeply wound the soul of a man. And I know inadvertently without even realizing I did it to my husband. Why? Because we have really good intentions and we know what has to happen when and how and da 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 da. And the men really come into marriage desiring pretty much to just take care of and provide. So Robert goes to work, pours his heart out, and really a lot of probably perhaps life-saving and definitely lifestyle-saving procedures, and the consequence of which could determine the quality of somebody's life forever. And when he comes home, he just has nothing to give. But you are maxed out. And the frustration and the intensity and the expectations become so confused that the, the disparity between those two states of mind, let's say, can create a lot of friction that we don't even understand. I love what you said, Robert. We didn't understand these things and the consequence of these things before, but our kids are bearing the fruit of the confusion and the chaos and the dis-ease in the homes as a result of not understanding the fundamental needs that a man has and that a woman has and how we begin to lose communication it's it's a gradual drift or rift. Rift. Rift either, that happens. Either they, they drift <laughs> apart. You we know? rift and we drift. Exactly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Perfect. But it happens so slowly, and it's a cancer that really begins to grow in a relationship. I've had the privilege of working with both of you, and to help Emily heal, what did I say? We have to heal your marriage, mm-hmm. and we have to change the governance the of the home, the dynamics in the home, because you're pouring out your heart at work. You're carrying everything at home, and she's carrying the load. So are the children threefold now, because they're always hyper vigilant about what's happening with mom and what's happening with dad, and they're reacting or responding to that in some way or another. It's hard 
to catch all that. But cancer hits like a two by four, and all of a sudden, we have to regroup. So now I think, okay, so we identified the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease, right, and home. And we identified the sensitivity that I saw in your face and your brokenness, Robert. It can still move me to tears because I saw the despair you had in that for your wife, your daughter, yourself, your family, everything. And then I saw how emotional you were about, okay, roll up the sleeves. What do we have to do now? Where do we have to go? What call do we have to make? How many appointments? And I saw there again, the disparity between how you were both wanting to handle the situation. And I immediately knew, wait, we got to stop everything. Let's just stop everything. Let's all of us all four of us put all our chips on the table and we're going to start putting this puzzle together. That's kind of how I saw it. But since I have seen the power of a man stepping into the role of authority in the home, and again, authority versus power. I always talk about the authority of the man and the power of the woman. And it's not a question of value. It's one of function. Companies, corporations, our little organization, we all, somebody needs to be an authority and then people need power to operate. A family is that on steroids. And I knew that needed to be restored for Emily to heal. Robert, I'd like you to talk about what that was like, because we've had just painfully honest conversations about this. Uh, that was a, a brilliant observation and diagnosis for what was going on in our family. And you got us to talking together, thinking, problem solving, and you gave us resources. On your website, you have the, the book, How We Love and How We Love Our Kids. Yeah, and I walked you books. through those resources. <clears throat> yeah, Right. And so I think you recommended them. We got them, we read them, and it was uh, mind-opening to see that. And we'd sensed problems in communicating and, and parenting styles, and, and then it took us back to what did we learn as children in, in our families of origin? They were different. And that wasn't a problem when we were just relating as a couple. But when it came to disciplining children, teaching them then the different styles, we just hadn't really taken the time to get together on this. We didn't know there was a problem. Until there was a problem, until it hit us, the two by four. Yeah. So we read the books and we and, and it just allowed us to start communicating better and, and figuring out what, what me, were our styles. And, yeah, one of the things that was captivating for me about both of you and each of you was that when I was you alone, Robert, I think you were the first one that came to see me alone. Mm -hmm. I said, we must reconcile the conflict you have within yourself because you're conflicted within yourself. You're consenting to things, right? Yes, that, that I didn't really want to consent to. I that's felt right. the pressure. Mm -hmm. And that's a conflict you have within yourself. But it's easy to feel a victim to circumstances in, in that. And it was so amazing how quickly he got this. And I said, no, the conflict is with you. You need to have a voice. You need to give your thoughts a voice because you're robbing, you're depriving your wife and your family of understanding the depth and the breadth of these things that you're negotiating. And you're abdicating your role of leadership in the home. And it's forcing Ellen to step in and handle things that she's just not meant to shoulder and handle. So, so I learned I'm a pleaser. Yeah. And I 
didn't want to make anybody unhappy. And if uh, if Ellen wanted to do something, I wanted to support her. But it wasn't always with my full agreement that I thought it was best. But I didn't want to argue or fight. Or I would concede. You know, she was smart. Is smart. She can I handle it. Right. And I didn't know that my way was better. We just didn't have enough time apart when it wasn't a crisis to be planning our strategy and, and what we should do when the next crisis came along or the next. And we, we didn't have our our parenting styles in some kind of uh, agreement or compromise or worked out so that we could be a team. It's hard to be a team with another person when you're not a team with your own constituents, when your spirit, your soul, and your body are not in alignment and you can live with integrity. That means to speak truth and love. It's difficult to have these deeper relationships with other people. But you caught on to that so quickly and you began to say, okay, I, I just I was just captivated by wow, that was easy. I argued on that one. But you you were both very good and patient to work with me and, and encourage me. And I give both of you credit. I give Ellen a lot of credit for, for patience and talking to me at times afterwards and say, well, you could do this or you could ask this or push a little harder. Don't give them a choice. Rather than just getting mad at me, she was supportive, which was very good. Thank That's you. awesome. You were able to really face deep and dark and difficult things about yourself and things you hadn't reconciled in order to let her do that. And so I thank you. Humility. We're perfected through the things we suffer. And when we have the courage to be humble and say, would you forgive me? I shouldn't have said that. Or I need to rethink this. Even to yourself sometimes. I ask myself forgiveness all the time. Wait, you know what? It's okay. Try it again. So I, I watched you do that. Okay, Ellen, because this was tough. You oh, were, okay. you and I were like, I have great compassion because I understand what it's like to have the weight of a lot of things on your shoulders at home. And I understand all the emotions that, you know, and the feelings that come that emote in ways that are not always the most constructive. Yeah, I think you were excellent in pointing out, you just gave us great insight of where we were going wrong. And you were right to the point of, take a look at your family. You're basically, you're flipped upside down. And you were teaching us things that we had never heard, things that we hadn't been exposed to. Basically, the man is the authority, and he needs to be the head of the household. The woman has to have the power. And, you know, you're equals, but you're, you're underneath this umbrella, and it's a collaborative thing. It's not that he's so much over you, but it, it's a dance, and it's, it's, not a a, dance. it's not something I ever heard, not something that occurred to me. And it made sense because I was, at times resentful because being tired and I I try not to blame him because he was working so hard and providing well for us so I mean he's doing all he can do but the resentment builds up when I wanted him sometimes to step up and I would ask him but in essence I was I had to take responsibility for it and that was very eye-opening for me like I want him to be a man but in essence I'm almost demasculinating him because I have stepped in and been there all the time, and then I'm complaining, like, where are you? But I've never allowed him to go through the training and step up to do it. Yeah, because when he tried, it's met with so much criticism. Right, and I'm so quick to just jump in and 
that's who I am. And it's intense. And, you know, I went to an all-female college. You know, there's a whole feminism thing. Like, I can do this. I'm very competent until you're not. And then you want help. You want that collaboration. And then it's almost like I'm being a single parent here. I have a marriage. I have a partner. I want to share everything. And I want that responsibility. And he's so competent. I just need to let him in and not shoulder all this. And, okay, it's a a training program. And he may not do it the way I like at first, but I have to step down. I think that's what I heard from you is that I needed to really back off more and let him step up. And I'm never going to have the leader, the one I want, as long as I keep running the show. And it's, I will be probably happier and less fatigued if I give him more of that authority and allow him to discipline the kids, especially now Help he's Help you home. carry the weight of it, carry right? Carry the weight and, and come up with, he's very bright, he has all the ideas too, we can collaborate and but let him do some of the speaking because I also think, what are we teaching these girls? These four girls are going to be, they are very competent and strong women, but they're going to steamroll their husbands too because that's, they're seeing me as that role model and it's mom has all this and mom does this and, and the guy is just this passive little man down here. Again, it's demasculinizing him and it's not fair because that's not a marriage. That, and, and that's well, what I didn't see with my parents. It wasn't a marriage. So it was very well, difficult. Well, as your level of awareness began to increase about the conflicts within yourselves individually, it began to change the dynamic and how you interacted with one another. It was an amazing thing to watch because it was this beautiful, like, flower that was beginning to unfold in your family. And I saw a change in Emily. She was much more peaceful. She was less agitated. And I thought it was so beautiful when she went to Mexico for some treatment and she went with her father. Robert, talk a little bit about, because you cried the whole time, telling me what was happening between you and your daughter. Not sure that I I remember exactly, but uh, in Mexico, the two of us were together for three weeks and it was a hard time, but we were together the whole time and we got closer. And when she was a baby, she was really close to me because Ellen was sick right after delivery for several months. So she was my little baby. And then we'd grown apart, but then we got closer together. So that was, that was good. When I spoke to you, you couldn't even get the words out without weeping. Well, there's been a lot of, a lot of growth, I think, on, on all of our parts and it's been good. The times that I was working so much and missing a lot at home, and Ellen was shouldering so much, and as a homeschool teacher, oh, she worked so hard. She had so much responsibility. You can say I had stress, but she had stress as well, a lot. Like, it's all up to me. If these children don't learn, they don't do well, it's all my responsibility. So, so she worked <laughs> harder than ever. She gave up her day job, but... She was staying up till 1, 2, 3 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning planning lessons and planning well, curricula. We've, we've worked hard. The point is, as your eyes were opened and you accessed this sensitivity and you were vulnerable about that sensitivity, about what had transpired and the potential loss of your daughter, it was a beautiful thing to watch Ellen's emotions and feelings regulate. It was an amazing thing to watch this thing become just balanced and really fuel instrumental 
perspective into Emily. I don't even think she fully understands it yet, but it was an amazing thing to watch. The consequence of your humility and your sensitivity, your growing sensitivity, your growing awareness of sensitivity, and your growing awareness of emotions and the need to regulate both. It was amazing to watch how that restored order in your home and the effect it had in healing your daughter was just, it's mind-boggling. So we're going to talk about how you displaced the confusion, chaos, and disease in your home in the next segment. And I think it's very important because Gregory's 27 years old, and I think his is the voice of a generation. So you leave home and you're frustrated because you're looking to restore all these things, but you don't have you have no idea how you're going to do it because you don't have power or authority in the home to go help heal your home. On the other hand, I wanted our audience to hear that when parents have access to this kind of information, right, and they can understand rest, they can understand how we love, they can understand what drives our behavior, the hunger of our soul. They all of a sudden have very practical tools to have different conversations with their kids to say, hey, I heard this podcast and there was this 27-year-old kid talking about the confusion chaos in his home and I thought that sounded like exactly like I feel. And then I heard the parents speak and the dad is a doctor, the mom's a physical therapist, but they were really humble and they were like you and dad, mom, you know, So maybe I noticed that they're continuing to grow and change. So this whole marriage and parenting thing, it doesn't end when our kids leave home. I think in many ways, it's when it really begins. Yeah, and I remember after learning this, it was a little disheartening because two of our daughters are already grown and out of the home living in a different state. And I think, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known this. Like things could have been different and Bob was saying to me, well, and it's not too late, you know, even though we're a lot older and we can do better, we can keep improving and it's, we still have the two at home and we can still continue to grow as parents. And even the ones that are out of the home, they will see changes in us and they will still continue to, you know, we're not fixed in stone. So I, is my initial reaction was like, we've missed the train, you know, we should have done this 20 years ago, before we started having children, which would have been ideal. I don't think anybody does, you just kind of get thrown into it. But it's it's a wonderful thing to be exposed to the knowledge and the, and the tools and, and, to, and to be and able to, heal, to apply it. Right. And to heal in community, because every single person I work with changes me, every single person, and I know I change them. And Natalie, too, we talk about that all the time. So we're growing in community. That's why rest is the reconstitution approach and method to healing us, Mm -hmm. all of us. We're all changed by it. But I want to thank you both for your vulnerability and the courage you continue to display. So it'll be fun in the next episode to pick up the rest of the story. It's a beautiful story. It is. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for having us. Of course. Virginia, would you like to give a few tangible takeaways for our audience? I think I would encourage everyone to remember that we give you a week in between the release of episodes because we resource you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to drown you in resources and ideas and quotes and clips. I want you to be able to sink your teeth and digest some of the information we share. Robert is the only human I know that 
read every single book on the website, and I didn't want to put too many, but you got me thinking I should put probably 20 more. But he (laughs) read every book, he outlined, he discussed, he brought me a few books, and it was just fascinating. So what I'd like to encourage everyone to do is to revisit how we love, to really understand the attachment styles, because then you can step into this place of reconciling the conflicts within yourself And you can understand that when we can grasp our attachment styles, it's not about looking back and blaming our parents. It's about having a deeper level of understanding of how we react to each other. And when we can understand how we react to each other, we can learn how to respond, right? And so I would encourage everyone to go to howwelove.com. And I think he... Uh, the Yorkoviches also have Relationship 180. There's some resources there as well. But there's a sheet, a form of some kind that they have. And if not there, there's many on Google. Learning how to listen. Mm. Practicing the skills of listening. I think that's another resource I would encourage everyone. I think the Yorkoviches have it on their resource page. But if not, I'd encourage everyone to really become students of listening and speaking the listening before you speak yes (laughs) and the listener has a significant weight in the conversation because they regulate the conversation so it's imperative to learn to pause and say let me see if i heard that correctly or is this what you were saying or how did that make you feel Mm -hmm. seeking to understand seeking a deeper understanding because oftentimes we don't ask people how they feel about something so we don't understand how they emote those feelings we don't understand their emotions so emotional outbursts are difficult to understand Mm -hmm. if you don't learn to ask and understand the feelings behind them right and to do that you need to learn to become a good listener i'm trying to become a better listener all the time it's not easy it's not we've worked on that through our whole marriage i think at the beginning we would talk at the same time because we both had our points that we wanted to get across (laughs) and we realized we're talking over each other I'm not listening to him I'm thinking more of my next thought and what I want to say and my next point and I think he is too and it was just we're getting nowhere until we both said okay you're going to talk and you're going to listen and I'm going to talk and I'm going to listen and you know like you said first seek to understand and then to be understood Mm -hmm. and it's, it's very imperative. I think that was a big growth for us, um, a breakthrough as we have been in the marriage. And along the same line of seeking first to understand and then to be understood. That's right. Yes. There's also fast is slow and slow is fast. Mm-hmm. If you just try to rush it, you haven't listened, you haven't taken the time. It's going to take longer for you to get through it all. Right. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Natalie. Absolutely. Thank you you guys for being here. Thank you. So in our final episode of the Home That Built Me series, we'll be talking about overcoming confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in relationships. For updates about rest and this podcast, visit our Instagram, The Place of Rest. If you would like more information about Virginia or to support us and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time.